Did you happen to miss one of our live shows? KRBN Internet News Talk Radio is available on Player.fm, iTunes, and others. Just search for KRBN Internet News Talk Radio, and please be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show Christmas Special with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jake. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please stand by. Hello. Hello. It's your errant host. Okay, let's let's roll intro. All right. Did you happen to miss one of our live shows? KRBN Internet News Talk Radio is available on Player.fm, iTunes, and others. Just search for KRBN Internet News Talk Radio. And please be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show Christmas Special with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Now I feel like I need to be playing Christmas music or something like that. You know, it, it it's just one of those. Uh, we'll skip that. <laughs> and fortunately, he's not going to sing either. <laughs> no, no. I was going to let Burl Ives sing, but that's okay. Uh how embarrassing. <laughs> I guess got so engrossed in what I was doing uh, that I completely forgot it was Wednesday and I was supposed to be hosting a radio show. And so I got this text from my producer and call screener, uh, Robin, and uh, and it was like, oh, I'm supposed to be on the radio right now. <laughs> Sorry we're a little late today with the Bose Nose Show. But welcome to another edition of the Bose No Show. A couple minutes late because it's just that time of year where it, because of the holiday coming up and everything else, it just didn't feel like Wednesday to me. I didn't have a board meeting yesterday, so you know, and I spent most of the day yesterday, you know, doing press interviews, and today I spent a lot of the day talking with various people that want to help out with this with this uh, battle with the city of Eugene that I've gotten myself involved with. So it's uh, it's been a pretty interesting day, and I just got really engrossed in doing too many other things, and next thing I know, it's like, ah, I'm supposed to be on the radio, or the internet, as the case may be. But Thank you for for watching or listening, depending on whether you're doing Facebook Live or listening on KRBN Internet News Talk Radio through Blog Talk Radio, or you're calling in on your phone. But yeah, we're we're here, and uh, we will we will uh, be here for the next uh, hour probably, uh, and uh, we'll see what we can accomplish in that time if I can get myself together because I didn't even do any real good show prep. But we'll we'll nail it because there are a couple things I just have to talk about today. And of course, first and foremost is the city's payroll tax. And then of course, in addition to that, on Monday, I got to attend the rally with the gym owners and we might talk a little bit about COVID and whether or not we're following science and, and being scientific in how we're dealing with this out, outbreak and, and where we're not being scientific. So taxation without representation and unscientific closures, you know, and during COVID, you know, we got those topics covered. 
But, you know, that's not all we talk about here on the Bose Nose Show. In fact, we like to talk about anything at all that's on your mind. And, you know, you, if you just want to call in and wish us a, a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Good Solstice, whatever floats your boat, you can give us a call here on the Bose Nose Show at 646-721-9887. Just press 1. And that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire and taskmaster, know that you want to get in on the show. I just, I'm sorry, Robin. I was just, I was in left field doing all sorts of stuff and, and just was completely blew this today. So my apologies, everybody. And my apologies, especially to Robin, who graciously produces this show every week free of charge to me. You know, uh, you know, I can't tell you how grateful I am. You know, being Christmas, I, I you know, want to wish her a Merry Christmas. And, and hopefully everybody's looking forward to the new year so we can stop talking about 2020. Of course, at, you know, one second after midnight on New Year's Eve, we'll all be able to say we've got true 2020 hindsight. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> that was a groaner. <laughs> but uh and I don't have a boo track, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it it's uh it it got it got a little crazy the last couple of days for me because um this tax thing's been slowly building with me. Um, you know, shortly after it passed I informed the folks at the county that I was going to be leaving my office at the county because I was not planning on being subject to the tax. Um, at 1st of November, I got an email from our payroll department telling me that they were going to start withholding it after the first of the year. And I wrote back and said, no, you're not, <laughs> because I'm not going to be working in Eugene any longer, because I'm, I'm moving out of my office. I've hardly been in my office. I hardly ever went in my office. Um, that the county provided me, at, with, at, not at my request, by the way, and there's nothing in our charter that says that the county commissioners are supposed to have an office in Eugene or even be provided an office at taxpayer expense. Um, <clears throat> the only thing it, it talks about in our charter is that we have to live in our districts. That is the qualification for serving as a county commissioner and also being, you know, a registered voter and, and eligible to vote in the, in the district. I don't know if you have to be registered, you just have to be eligible. Um, so that's really what it takes to be a county commissioner, not working inside Eugene city limits. So where I operate is my office, and I have always done the vast majority of my commissioner's work from my office home office, which is what I broadcast from every week. So if you've been paying attention to Bo's Nose Show, you've been seeing my office on a regular basis doing the Bo's Nose Show. Um, and that's where I do my business and where I derive my income. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that there's a county office down in the city of Eugene. Just like our road crews that report to, say, the Florence shops or the Cottage Grove shops or the Lowell shops and never really come into Eugene at all. I don't think they should be subject to this tax. Just like maybe say uh, somebody that works for uh, Builders Electric in down, you know, which is located close to downtown Eugene and they do most of their work, you know, for people out in the county or have big projects maybe that might be up in the Portland area. Um, and are going out of town every day, you know, are they subject to the tax just because Builders Electric's office is located in Eugene? So that that's the biggest issue there, not to mention the fact that I think they very poorly worded how they exempted other governments from the tax, because I think that the, in their wording, they actually exempted the employees, not just for the employer share. Um, but that's, all legal language it will test later, but um, 
They sent me this notice back at the beginning of November. I basically told my payroll people I wasn't, I didn't want to be, have it withheld. They contacted the city and said, you know, Commissioner Bozovich says he doesn't believe he's subject to this tax. The city wrote back and say, we think he is. And, 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 and they tried to say that I was telecommuting uh, and that and telecommuting doesn't count because my regular place of business would have been in Eugene. It's like, no, I'm not telecommuting. I don't have an office. That's not my regular place of business. My regular place of business is right here in beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And that is outside of city limits. Most of my constituents aren't city residents. And I just, you know, and even my ones that are don't like to go to downtown Eugene to meet with me. So um, City and I are, you know, have traded a few back and forth via our, our payroll people and legal counsel. And at this point, um, I brought an attorney on because the city of Eugene wasn't threatening me with legal action if, the, if I didn't pay the tax. They were threatening the county. And I, I don't want to be the cause of the county having to spend lawyer dollars uh, with this, my dispute with the city of Eugene. So I brought in my own attorney who started taking a look at this. And um, yesterday I, I made that public and, and that kind of hit the news pretty well. And so I spent a lot of time yesterday just talking to the press and explaining it. And it's amazing how many people forgot about this because the city actually passed this tax almost a year and a half ago. And people forgot they passed it. And of course, because most of the people that most object to it are the people that live outside the city that maybe work in Eugene are going to and have to pay this tax, they can't actually sign a petition to put it on the ballot, and they can't even vote against having it enacted. Only city residents can. And of course, somebody that lives in Eugene but works outside of Eugene, they're not going to be subject to this tax. So if you live in Eugene and say you worked for um, you know, the city of Springfield or Willamette Lane over in Springfield, you're not going to be paying this tax, even though the police and the municipal court that are being funded by this tax, and plus the 10% that's going to homeless services, um, which is an interesting definition of public safety, um, is, you know, that benefits residents of Eugene more than anything, you know, not, and, and residents of Eugene are actually not going to be paying this tax, and people like me that are residents of Lane County outside, unincorporated Lane County, they're trying to tax me for it, even though I don't actually work in Eugene, and then there are people that actually do work in Eugene, I know of, that don't live in Eugene that are going to have to pay this tax, and I guess supposedly the benefit there is that, you know, you know, the police, at least for the eight hours, 40 hours a week they might spend in Eugene, they're going to benefit from the additional police coverage. A little bit of a nexus there. Really hard to find a nexus for um, taking anything out of my pay or requiring my employer to pay anything if I derive all of my income from outside the city just because my employer actually is located in the city. So, It'll be, it's going to be an interesting discussion as we move on legally. Um, I think uh, the Taxpayers Association of Oregon is starting to get involved. There's a few other businesses that are stepping in uh, to get involved. And I think one of the things I did was I brought people back, it's back to their attention. They forgot about this. And suddenly people are like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to pay that tax? You should have, my my email and and uh, messages and everything were blowing up yesterday because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to pay this tax. I live outside the city. I work in the city, but I'm going to have to pay this tax. I don't think it's fair. <laughs> and it's like they've completely forgotten about it. So if, it, if nothing else, I reminded people of how unfair that tax is that the city's putting in. You know, I fully support the need to fund public safety. Now, it is a primary function of government 
to protect its citizens from force and fraud. One of the basic reasons since tribal times that we formed governments was to protect that group from force, usually. Fraud kind of came along a little bit later, but that's basically what what we're trying to protect our citizens from. And one of the ways you do that is through public safety systems. It includes law enforcement, courts, you know, prosecution, you know, all those things involved. And, and then even in some of the prevention programs and that try and prevent crime in the first place. Um, that's a primary function of government and really should be one of the very first things you fund with your budget. So the fact that they're having to come after additional taxes to adequately fund their public safety system should be telling you something in the first place. Why aren't they coming out with a new tax to support their um, arts initiatives or their neighborhood associations or their human rights commission or their climate action committee? You know, where's the, you know, Where's the, the, the public vote on a tax to support those things? Why are those things even funded before you completely funded your public safety system? So that, that's, that's an initial objection to having a tax for that in the first place. Show me that there's absolutely no other way that you could have fully funded your public safety system. Then I might consider a tax. But it's such a primary function of government, it ought to be funded first. So that we'll start at that point, but then then let's think about how you tax for that and how you make it a fair taxation system, which means it really ought to be about having the people and the businesses that that operate and live in Eugene pay their fair and equitable shares, which usually means a property tax of some kind, like a serial levy or bond measure, some way like that, because that gets renters pay property taxes in their rent. Homeowners pay it. Businesses pay it. In fact, businesses pay quite a bit of property tax. You'd be surprised, you know, what a huge portion of our property taxes come in from businesses because they not only pay real estate tax, they pay personal property tax on their business equipment and inventory and everything else. Um, so that's a pretty fair way to tax to support a local government program. It gets everybody with skin in the game. A payroll tax, though, in the way that the city of Eugene is attempting to implement it, means that there's going to be people that live in the city of Eugene that are going to benefit from this public safety improvement that will not put a single dime into the coffers because they may not work at all. They may be retired. Therefore, they'll be exempt because it's a payroll tax. You have to be on somebody's payroll or self-employed. But if you're retired and on a pension, you know, and you could have millions of dollars in the bank, you're not paying a dime. If you happen to live in the city of Eugene but work in Springfield, you're not paying a dime. Does that seem like a fair and equitable way to tax? But if you know they're trying to get me to pay that tax when I don't even work in Eugene, It's not an equitable system of taxation, payroll taxes, particularly when it's not, you know, like the LTD tax is a payroll tax, but it's only on the businesses, not on the employees. You know, even so, I would question how equitable payroll taxes are. It's, it's an extremely inequitable way to tax and fund something because it really doesn't put the tax burden on who's benefiting at all. You know, how, how is it fair to the, the person that lives, you know, up in Junction City and happens to work 
inside the city limits of Eugene uh, uh, 40 hours or less, maybe even part-time, to, to have their payroll, their employer has to pay, they have to pay out of their paycheck, yet the person that actually lives in Eugene and is retired pays zero and spends their entire, most of their entire week in Eugene. Yeah, it's, it's such an unfair system of taxation. Not to mention, it's a business tax. And it's a business tax in the middle of the COVID pandemic. A, you're implementing a new tax for gyms and restaurants and all when they finally get to reopen are going to have to contribute 0.22% of their payroll back to the city of Eugene, along with having to take 0.44% out of their employees' checks, account for all that crap. I do payroll for five people for my wife's business, you know, once every two weeks. And I can't tell you how much of a pain in the butt it was when the state came about with their new statewide transit tax. And having to account for that having to send in the money to the state, it's a pain in the butt. I can't imagine what it would be like for a restaurant with 20 or 30 employees to try and account for the city of Eugene's new tax, get the payments into the city, do all the accounting, have it set up in the payroll. I don't know, you know, it's gonna be really fun. You gotta go through QuickBooks and set up a new item for each employee to be deducted from their paycheck. Um, you know, all the issues that come up when, you know, when you, particularly when you're talking about something like 0.44% and the rounding errors and pennies and things don't add up on a quarterly basis. So you're always constantly, you know, having to reconcile, you know, on the quarter or annually everything and, and make up the pennies, which is drives you crazy to have to write a check for one cent to the state to get your account to be accurate. And, and they're going to be doing the same thing to the city of Eugene. But really, um, it just, it, it's an unfair tax. And for people that live outside of the city of Eugene that are going to be subject to it, it's taxation without representation. Those people paying that tax will not be able to vote for a city councilor or the mayor. So the they have no say in the ability to influence who sits in those seats and, and to come to them for redress and say, if you don't rescind or modify or delay that tax, I'm not going to vote for you the next time you run for office. They can't do that. Taxation without representation. Fought a war about that once upon a time, didn't we? Yeah, and I think it's about ready, too. Huh? I'm sorry. I think the tea in the harbor is about ready. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I was just trying to figure out what would be the Eugene equivalent to throwing tea in the harbor. You know, could we throw a bunch of pot in the Willamette River? <laughs> they do tax pot. The city does. You'd have the happiest fish in the river. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I could just say uh, the Eugene pot party. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, the only people that would really harm would be the actual retailers that sell the pot, which just reminds me, and maybe we'll transition into this a little bit, you can still go buy pot in Eugene, but you can't go work out. You can get your hair dyed and cut in Eugene but you can't work out. You can go and buy lottery tickets and get liquor in Eugene, but you can't go into a restaurant and sit down and eat food and order a drink. What is wrong with some of these pictures? I mean, it's just, you know, it, 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 it's my shake your head week coming into Christmas. I wish I was going to be more upbeat, you know, thinking about the new year and everything and, and you know, what 
what's coming up ahead and all that stuff. But yeah, what's coming up ahead is an unfair tax in the middle of a pandemic when businesses are suffering and people are suffering too. Those that are employed, sometimes they might have a spouse that's out of work. So they're, you know, supporting a household and Eugene's going to take basically, you know, their share of the, the whatever check does come out from the federal government. <laughs> you know, it's basically, you know, you're going to get that check from the federal government might make up for what the city of Eugene's deducting from your paycheck. You know, that, 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 that's, that's good. <laughs> Some economic stimulus here in, in Eugene, you know, people are going to get that check from the feds just in time to make up for what the Eugene's starting to pull out of their paychecks. If we ever get them, that is, because I understand it looks like we're going to have a veto um, on that that bill, and who knows if they can get their act together? Because you know, it, it it would take Congress a month to make instant coffee. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, hard to be upbeat when 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 I what I've been dealing with for the last several days has been the city of Eugene's tax issue and the COVID issue. Um, you know, the COVID is a serious disease. And, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, mutations in, in England and, and South Africa. Um, and we knew it was going to mutate. Um, but they are definitely, uh, you know, not doing their, their job correctly at the state level with how they're rolling out their restrictions. We have 11 months worth of data on contact tracing. We have 11 months of, of time. <laughs> Sorry. Three, huh? <laughs> Robin was just messaging me that a listener on Facebook is, is keeping track of my bad puns, and I'm up to three so far this show. <laughs> Um, I'll try and keep away from the bad puns, although it's really hard. I'm as bad as Fozzie Bear sometimes. Uh, is that four? Um, but we have 11 months of contact tracing data to truly understand where transmissions are happening for COVID. We also have 11 months worth of mortality and hospitalization data so we can truly understand what populations have the highest rates of hospitalization and mortality from this disease, which is pretty clear. The older you are, the higher those hospitalization rates and mortality are. You know, once you hit age 60 or so, you're starting to really get at risk, and by the time you're in your 90s, you're, you know, not doing well if you catch COVID. So we know that that, that that demographic exists. We also know there's certain, you know, pre-existing medical conditions that make people at risk, higher risk for, for hospitalization and for um, mortality. Combining those two things, we should understand what's best to prevent transmission and prevent the transmission in the populations that are at the highest risk so we can prevent hospital overcrowding. So knowing that it's the elderly and these folks with these pre-existing conditions, one of which is kind of being out of shape, um, is, is not a healthy thing when you get COVID. So closing gyms and the fact that there's almost no transmission in gyms that's been documented. In fact, there's been zero in Lane County and very little across the country. And there's been studies done to show this where they've gone back and looked at the data. Big study out of Colorado, more recent study done in, by OSU, in fact, shows gyms are not a source of transmission, yet we've closed gyms down. But we do know that there's been a big mental health crisis along with COVID and gyms improve people's mental health 
And when people are in shape, they deal with COVID better when they do get it. So how scientific is it to close our gyms? It's just not. So that in itself is a problem for me. In addition, why aren't we doing more to protect the folks that are in these long-term care facilities where we're seeing really bad situations when we have an outbreak? Because that's where the elderly and the folks that have all these pre-existing medical conditions are in long-term care usually. Well, I asked a few questions at our last board meeting about some of that, and I found out that unless there's an active outbreak, the state rules right now are that employees for those long-term care facilities, that 25% of them have to be tested every week, which means they only get tested once every four weeks. The employees that are in contact with this extremely vulnerable population, once a month, basically. Now, mind you, we know that there have been no deaths in Lane County of anyone under the age of 30. Now, how old is the U of O football players, or are the U of O football players? Good English, Jay. Um, how old are they? Somewhere between maybe 18 and 24? And do you think maybe they're in good shape and have good nutrition because they've got all these people, you know, making sure they're in good shape and all these people watching their nutrition and everything, and they don't think they have a vitamin D deficiency, which is another leading pre-indicator of having bad problems if you actually do catch COVID, if you have a vitamin D deficiency. Usually you're one of those people that ends up in the hospital. You little football players get tested once a week. Long-term care workers, once every four weeks. Are we dealing with this disease and the outbreak and controlling it scientifically? We're closing gyms, testing football players all the time, but testing workers that deal with the elderly once a month? It just is not making sense. And I don't mean to pick on the U of O. It, you know, they get the test supposedly from the Pac-12 and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, but, you know, if, if U of O, OSU are state-run institutions, if the governor wanted to, she could step in and change where resources are used. Or she could even work towards getting more resources so we're testing these workers at these long-term care facilities once a week. We really, you know, that should be the concentration, protecting that particular population. That's where we're seeing horrible outcomes from outbreaks. I mean, the initial month of COVID here in Oregon the, the county that had the worst time was Lynn County because there was a veteran's home located in Lynn County that, that got COVID inside of it before we really knew a whole bunch about COVID. It just was bad circumstance and bad luck for Lynn County. But they were leading the death statistics, you know, basically of the region and the state because they had this one single outbreak in a veteran's home long-term care facilities. So we knew really early on from data and statistics that that was going to be where we needed to concentrate. And I still am not hearing a significant plan from our governor and the Oregon Health Authority of how they're protecting these long-term care facilities. But we're going to close gyms. And we're not going to let people sit down in a restaurant because that's what we're going to do. Yet we're going to cause all this economic harm. 
And then the city of Eugene is going to double down on that and create a new tax on businesses. So, you know, don't be surprised if next spring you see a lot of businesses move out of Eugene. In fact, I know of a bunch that moved out preemptively. And I don't know if it was due solely to this tax, but I know of several businesses that are now located in Springfield that used to be located in Eugene. So, yeah, we really need to keep those, um, you know, keep it all in perspective. Now, I would ask, even if you're a non-resident of Eugene, but you're going to be subject to this tax, that you contact the mayor and city council and say, what are you doing during COVID? You need to, at the, at the very least, postpone implementation of this tax. Delay it. You know, and then, at the most, rethink how you're funding your public safety system. Demonstrate to me that you're funding public safety first, arts and and climate change and, and human rights and, and whatever second, you know, show me that you're, you're prioritizing and then find a better way. If you need more funds, find a better, more equitable way to tax than a payroll tax. That's my ask for folks is, you know, if you're going to be subject to this new city of Eugene tax, whether you live in or out of the city, particularly if you live in, because then you actually have representation, unlike those of us that live out, um, we need to flood that, you know, and there, there's, I think if you go to the city of Eugene's website and you search for mayor and city council, you can find the mayor and city council page, and there's actually a link to click to email the, the, the entire Mayor and City Council, um, you know, we just need to start flooding them with, with emails saying you've got to, you got to, you know, at the very least delay it because of COVID. You can't be putting a new business tax on during COVID. It's just wrong. Then you need to find a, a way of taxation that has representation. You know, payroll taxes are taxation without representation. And, and that's just, you know, uh, the nature of, of how they are. Now, if it was an income tax on residents of Eugene, that would be a different story. They could do an income tax. They have the authority to do that. They don't want to use a property tax. They could use an income tax. Don't know how well it would go over. And they might actually, because it impacts just Eugene residents, it might actually cause quite a stir. Maybe it might get put on the ballot and tossed out. But putting on a payroll tax where people impacted can't even, can't even sign a petition to put it on the ballot because we're not voters inside the city. And I have to say thank you to Mike Clark for voting no on this, and even thank you to Councillor Betty Taylor who voted no on this. I, you know, I know Mike voted no because he didn't like the taxation without representation. He didn't like the source of funding. Um, so, you know, good for Mike. The other six of y'all, and it was done so sneakily, quietly. And then when they did put something on the ballot, you know, what they put on the ballot wasn't whether or not to have the tax. They put on the ballot was, do you want to have a cap on this tax or not? You know, a limitation measure was on the ballot. And then a, uh, in addition to that, a restriction of what the funds can be spent on. But of course, public safety in Eugene also means homeless programs. So, uh, yep, 
So I have stopped and take a breath because I've been ranting for a while here. And remind folks, this is a call-in show. And if you want to get in, you can call at 646-721-9887. If you press 1, uh, that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. And just press 1. And we'll get you up on the show here, and we'll have a conversation. And we don't have to talk about the city of Eugene tax. We don't have to talk about COVID. We can talk about anything you want. But speaking of COVID, I just have to say that once again, we are in that situation where Congress passed something so we could read the bill, 5,600-page bill later to find out what's in it. What is it about our U.S. Congress that they can't seem to get something written up in time to have it public for a while and then take a vote on it so people know what they're doing. You kind of think that this is, you know, subterfuge on their part? And what is it about connecting something they know is unpopular with something that they think is popular? So what they did was they connected the continuing resolution to, to prevent a shutdown of the government that had all sorts of port spending on it in, in, embedded in it, um, and things that people would not like. And they tied that to the COVID relief bill. And they actually made it all one pill. The COVID relief bill and the continuing resolution became one 5,600-page monstrosity. And they passed it with no time for anyone to have read those 5,600 pages. So what are we finding out that was in that bill after the fact? Well, we got money going to Pakistan for gender studies. We had a whole boatload of money going to Egypt and Sudan and everybody else. Millions, hundreds of millions of dollars going out the door that way. And crazy things in there like, you know, making it a federal felony if you're caught watching copyrighted material online. Did you know that was in the bill? What's that got to do with COVID relief or even a continuing resolution? They stuck everything but the kitchen sink. Well, the kitchen sink might be in there too. I don't know because I haven't read 5,600 pages worth. Now, if I were president, I would veto the bill and say, send me a clean bill on COVID relief, and I'll sign that. And that, no, I don't need the checks to be bigger. And, and I recommend anybody to, to find on YouTube or somewhere on the web Rand Paul's comments on the COVID relief bill where he talks about how damaging it is to print money to provide this COVID, these COVID checks to future generations and to our economy. And we're racking up federal debt like you would not believe right now. And when we do that, it depresses future economic activity. There is a, a definitive cause and effect between how big our debt is and how fast our economy grows. So the more we're running up that debt, the more we're not creating jobs in the future. There is a correlation there. Not only that, that debt eventually is going to have to be paid off. And the bigger that debt becomes, the more unstable and untrustworthy our dollar gets. We have fiat money now. It's not backed by gold. It's all got value because of what people believe its value is. And that's not just U.S. citizens believing what a dollar's worth. It's what Chinese citizens believe a dollar's worth, or Russian citizens, or German citizens. 
And as we run up debt and print money and make it less and less worthwhile, that perceived value can suddenly fall apart. And one only has to, you know, remember the Weimar Republic in Germany and what happens when people suddenly don't believe currency has value and the hyperinflation and other things that happen. And what followed on the Weimar Republic and because of their, you know, hyperinflation and lack of faith in their currency brought to power one of the most evil governments ever in humanity. You know, there's consequences to this. We need, you know, printing money is not always the answer. But connecting a bunch of junk to bills has got to stop. If I were the Republicans that have put forth a clean COVID relief package, voted it out, and, and, and at least gotten it on the floor or something and made the Democrats have to vote against something that was clean. But even the Republicans play this game, too, because they were sticking things in those bills. So, um, and, you know, I, I appreciate the few Republican senators that actually voted against it. I think there were eight. Um, those men have um, some sense of morality and some sense of uh, values that I appreciate. So it just seems like I could keep getting on rants, but it's just like there's the news lately has just gotten me, you know, it's like I'm, I'm to the point where I, I, I need to stop watching news and go offline for a couple of days. A three-day weekend, maybe that's it. Can I fan the flames a little bit? Oh, go ahead. Before yeah. I sign off and start my three-day weekend a little early. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is from one of the congressmen, John Converse. I love these members that get up and say, read the bill. What good is reading the bill if it's a thousand pages and, and you don't have uh, two days and two lawyers to find, find out what's in it? It got cut off. Yeah. Yeah, it's like. And the famous, you know, we have to pass it to find out what's in it. Is it seems to be, people accept that now. You know, 5,600 pages slapped together, you know, in back rooms, in deals between, you know, various leadership of Congress, where a lot of members of Congress never had any input, never read it, and still voted yes because they didn't want to be on record voting against COVID relief because they connected the two together. Yeah, but I'm sure that Joe Biden will take care of it. Yeah, yeah, because he's not a creature from coming out of Congress, is he? Hmm. How long is Senator <laughs> and Congressman? He's for the people. Just uh, ask him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, at least we're getting some vaccines rolled out. That is good news. Let me, you know, go back to maybe something that's good news. And this will be controversial, but I, when, when it comes time to, where they've got enough vaccine out to where my demographic's getting the shots, I will be first in line to get one. Oh, but wait. <laughs> you don't think that they could do something as simple as rolling out a vaccine without it being controversial? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they can't even do, you know, do coronavirus um, relief funding in this state without it being controversial. They had to tie it to what color your skin was. And they're even trying to tie some of the vaccine priority list to what color your skin is. That I don't understand. Unless unless they can clearly demonstrate from that 11 months worth of data, there is a greater need to vaccinate that population because there's a greater transmission and, and, and also a greater hospitalization and mortality rate in that population, which 
I do believe is true in the Hispanic population in the state. And it has, you know, that has lots of reasons why it's happening, but there is a higher um, mortality rate and a higher infection rate in Hispanics in this state than there is in, in the general population. So if they wanted to say we're going to concentrate somewhat on vaccinating Hispanics, that has data to back it. I have not seen the data to back the need to vaccinate the African-American population. It might be there, and if they do have that, then I'm okay. But why they were doing COVID relief funding that way, and I, did, I have not seen any data to show that Black-owned businesses are suffering worse than white-owned businesses, and that there's any nexus for distributing that aid based on the color of who owns the business, which is why the court stopped them from doing it, <laughs> although they had already distributed 90% of the money. But, you know, that's, that, yeah, yes, they can't even do vaccine distribution without making it controversial because they've got to put social justice into the mix because everything Democrats do has social justice in the mix because it allows them to, to justify all sorts of crazy ideas. Uh, there, you know, I don't understand social justice because truly there's only individual justice. Really think about it. Well, you want you want to really uh, get people's feathers ruffled. Sure. Have a very merry Christmas, Jay. And a very merry Christmas to you. And and a very merry Christmas to everyone out there listening to Bo's Nose Show. And uh, I say that because I celebrate Christmas in a very non-religious way because I don't go to mass or anything like that. But, you know, I play all the Christmas carols that talk about the birth of Jesus and all that good stuff. And it doesn't bother me. Uh, It's just a festive time and a tradition that I've brought on from childhood that I remember in a very fond way. And all those Christmas carols bring back all those great memories for me and make me happy. And with all the news out there about 5,600-page bills being passed with hours notice and COVID response being done unscientifically and unfair taxes being implemented in the middle of a pandemic, um, I need some happy. So I'll get back to playing my um, Christmas carols and everything, and we will – See you next week here on the Bose Nose Show. And I just want you all to know that I'm going to have a Merry Christmas. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Robin, have a Merry Christmas. We'll see you next week on the Bose Nose Show. Thank you for listening. Okay, I'm going to do you one better than that. I'm happy about my